welcome Nexus Church family online to our series in the book of Mark that's self-titled. In the series, we're exploring the life of Jesus and applying it to our personal lives. If you have more questions or if you would like to get a hold of us, go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the information on there as well as emailing nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook. But we'd love to connect with you and help you to connect to Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome to our series in the book of Mark as we are discovering the life of Jesus and applying it to our personal life. In today's passage, we are coming upon uh, Mark chapter 9. We're getting into it a little bit further this week, and we come across a, a rather interesting yet powerful interaction Jesus had with a father of a demon-possessed boy. And we're going to examine our life and investigate where, where there may be unbelief in our life and how we go about dealing with it. And so without further ado, let's get into Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. When they came to the disciples, now this is right after the, the mountain of transfiguration where Jesus meets up with Elijah and Moses, and they have this awesome, powerful encounter. They come back down to the mountain to the rest of the disciples, and they saw a large crowd around them, with scribes disputing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about? Some from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foams to the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. And so, just to Picture this scene with me, if you will. Jesus, and we have Peter, James, and John with him coming down this mountain. And they hear this chaos and all this anger amongst them. And the father steps out and says, I'm the reason. And here's what's going on. And he shares his heart. And so Jesus replied to them, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. I don't really know exactly where Jesus was coming from with this statement, but he's kind of almost in a sense just disgusted with how this little thing in the grand scheme of things, now to the Father, this was a massive thing, but, but this small little thing caused such a disruption amongst the people, his people, God's people. And so he calls, come and bring him to me. And so they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the father. You can see Jesus transition from this disgust with the the anger of the scribes and how they're trying to accuse the disciples of, of whatever it was at that moment and he turns and he sees the father and he sees the son and his heart starts having compassion and inquires how long and from childhood he said and many times it has thrown him into a fire or water to destroy him but if you can do anything have compassion 
salvation and inheritance. And Jesus said to him, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And it came out shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions. The boy became like a corpse so that many said he is dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him and he stood up. After he had gone into the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, is kind and he's come out by nothing but prayer this is in my opinion one of the most revealing interactions between jesus and those who were listening in the night he comes down from this mountain this time when the presence of the Father, where, where he once again establishes himself as the one and only who deserves all of our glory and honor. Right? He, he portrays really the fullness of his glory that the disciples had never seen before. And so he comes down from this mountain and, and he hears this, this, this terrible chaos as he comes down from the mountain, this reminds me so much of, of Moses coming down the mountain in Exodus. And he hears this, this terrible noise and he, he's looking over and he's like, what is going on here? And as he comes down and we reread this in Exodus 34 and, and as he reveals himself to the Israelites, they are all panicking freaking out because he was reflecting the glory of God as he as he departed from Mount Sinai and he enters back into the people. He'd been face to face with God. And the people were were absolutely in awe and, and panic because like you you have the face of God. Like nobody can be in the presence of God and live. But you you've been in this presence and now you're reflecting his glory to us. And it was so powerful that he had to put a veil on. And every time he'd go back and meet with the Father, he would, he would once again remove the veil and speak face to face. And when he would come back down, he would deliver the message to the people. And then he'd put the veil back over his face as a way of protecting the people from the glory of God. It's powerful. It's crazy. But here Jesus comes down from the mountain. He hears the chaos. And just like Moses, and when he gets to them, the people are in awe. The, the chaos subsides, and the father comes back, and, and he says to Jesus, I, my son, I've come for him to be healed, and, and your disciples couldn't do it. And so, if you can do anything, have compassion. If you can do anything, have compassion. He was, he was so in desperation. I mean... Who wouldn't, if this was your child, and we can't even fathom what this would be like. I, I, I'm trying to think of an example that could even come close to what this father was experiencing with his child. But any of you who've experienced a, a child who's had any kind of sickness, even a, a minor illness, you, you go into this panic mode of, how can I help my kid? 
That's what this father was doing. He can do anything. All commands are here. And then Jesus responds with this very interesting passage that has been so often taken out of context. And he says, anything is possible if you believe. Anything is possible. I mean, if you were in the crowd and you were listening to this and Jesus said that, what would you think? I mean, in today's age, we've, like I said, we, we've taken this out of context. And so we have people proclaiming that, well, anything is possible. So I can go and do whatever I want because God's going to be with me. Right? I mean, I would love it if, if God would just take all this anger and hatred and division in our country and just put it away. And tomorrow morning when I wake up, everything would be back to normal again. Whatever normal is, at least peaceful, right? What I thought of as, as peace, at least when I was a kid. Where everybody gets along and we don't hate anymore. We can work together and we can make our communities a better place. Like, wouldn't that be awesome, Jesus? Anything is possible. Why can't you make that possible? Well, that's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here, right? That's not what we have. We know that there are so many people who have asked for miracles and, and healings and, and things to change, and it's not what happens. See, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying our belief activates God's promises. Activates God's promises. It doesn't get us what we want. It gets us what he has promised. It's a big difference. It's not always what we think it is in the grand scheme of things. In God's kingdom, what we're going through may look a lot differently. And we want this. And what really God is saying is, this is what you need. And, and I'm guiding you. I'm helping you so that you can get to where you really need to be. So our belief activates God's promises. That is such a powerful truth that I hope you can get a hold of. Because many maybe listening right now, and, and you, you have a loved one who's going through a very difficult season, whether it's health or, or maybe it's mental or social issues that are going on that, that, that you see, and it breaks your heart, and you know that's not God's best for them. Believe again in God's promises that he will work things out for good. It may take a while to get there, but he will work things out if we don't stop. We will reap a harvest if we do not faint, if we don't give up. God has the best in mind still. Just hold on. Well, the story continues on, and, and what does the father say in response? He says, I believe. I believe, God. Jesus, I believe. That you are the healer. That you are the great physician. That you are the God who created all things. And, and you made things for wholeness. I believe that. Right? He believed in, in James. Right? James chapter 5. We, we read this in, in verses 13 and following. I just want to read this for you today. Because this is a powerful prayer that we can have for our loved ones. Right? This is a promise that Jesus, that God makes through 
Jesus' stepbrother, James. And he says, is any one of you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is any one of you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith, listen to this, will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. See, this, this father knew that about God. He knew that, that he wanted to make wholeness out of us. Now, he doesn't understand the fullness of how that works in his son's life, but he believes it. He believes it. He's heard about how Jesus has healed others. He believes it, but yet, yet, there was a breakdown. Because what does he follow that up with? Help my unbelief. See, he believed it for others, but somehow it did not translate to his own son, to his own personal life. And I think that's the key that we all need to grab onto today. We can believe something to be true that comes from God's word, but yet there's a breakdown for us personally. You see, belief activates God's promises, but when we, when we block that in our personal life, it blocks God from moving. See, anything is possible if it lines up with my promises. Anything is possible. But we alone need to walk with God. We can keep God from moving. See, when we activate belief in our personal lives, when we make it reality, God's promises come alive. And in that instant, what happened? His son was healed. The moment he asked Jesus, help me, my belief is waning for my son. I know that's what's limiting me. And the moment he asked for that help, God moved. Jesus healed his son. What a powerful statement. Help my unbelief. What if that was your heart to Jesus today? God, I've been praying for this loved one. Right? Ultimately, what did James talk about in that passage? It wasn't so much about our sicknesses or our lack, if you will, whether it's physical, relational, um, emotional, financial, whatever it is that we're struggling with that we're asking God to move in. James isn't talking so much about those physical realm things. Really, James is getting to the heart of it. What's going on inside of you, that's what we need to get fixed. And that's what Jesus continually worked at in people's lives throughout the Gospels. He was digging at the underneath surface stuff. Our heart, our mind, our relation with the Father. That's what he cares about. And that's what he's getting at with his Father. He got to the point where it wasn't so much about his son anymore. It was about his heart. That's what the Father ended up getting right with God. Jesus Christ, we thank you. 
come to the close, I wanted to highlight one more thing that happened in this passage. And it comes at the end. After the smoke had cleared, the miracle happened, the Father and the Son walk away glorifying God, giving Him all the praise, all the honor. The disciples walk up to Jesus in private. And they have a great question, an honest question, a question maybe we even need to ask God today. Why couldn't we? We are supposed to be the change agents in other people's lives, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, this question should be one that you have asked or will ask. Why? We're stepping out in faith. We're believing for great things. Father, we have believed. We have activated our belief so that your promises come true. What happened there? What's going on, Jesus? You see, the Father, he had to address that unbelief. The disciples had belief. Now, of course, they were human, like all of us, and they're going to wane in their belief, right? They're going to have days where things are just crappy. And they could have done better, right? Not the only one, I hope. So what gives? What gives Jesus, right? We, this wasn't that far removed from the accounts we have in Mark 3, verses 14 and 15, and Mark 6, 7. Go back and read those, and what does Jesus do? He releases them. Do, do the works of casting out demons, of healing sick, right? Jesus gave his disciples the power to do this. They had the power. They had the belief. They had the know-how. They experienced it all. They were his apprentices, right? Like, they were there. They were sent to do this work, just like us. What gives? Jesus, we're confused. We have no idea what went wrong. Can you help us? We don't want this to happen again, right? Our hearts were right with Jesus. And what does he say? He says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. And then he translations our fasting. That's a little bit confusing. Like, we don't do that enough. Is this, is this kind of healing or works-based thing now? All of a sudden, Jesus, I thought, I thought living for you was by faith. And stepping out, now you're saying that there's things that we need to do. Absolutely. See, when you're stepping out with God, we better be on guard. Doing what we know will get us prepared for the battle. We talked recently about Ephesians and putting on the armor of God. And the importance of prayer and reading God's word and surrounding yourself with good people that, that build you up and get you girded for that battle. We don't go into battle without having some protection, right? We go into battle with protection and with God's word as our sword. And so Jesus tells him, you need to be praying. You need to be prepared for this. Don't think you can just jump into the battle without preparing yourself first. Prepare yourself. I love how Warren Wearsby put it. He said, the authority that Jesus 
had given them was effective only if exercised by faith. Right? So we established that. So they had belief. It was established and exercised by faith. But here's the addition that the disciples needed to do this battle. But faith must be cultivated through spiritual discipline devotion. You see, when we step up and to be used by God, entering God's army for his glory, we need to put on those disciplines. We need to put on that devotion, that time with him, so that we can go into battle. Can't do it alone. Can't do it alone. Our belief and discipline activates God's Our belief and discipline activates God's promises. So as we close our time down together today, I want to encourage you to reflect some. Ask God to reveal to you where your areas of unbelief may be. We have the Father in this story. He had an area of discriminating within himself. He was made aware of that through the interaction with Jesus. Jesus will do the same for you. He will do the same for you. You know, the first step in seeing God move in your life is by accepting those areas. Accepting those areas of unbelief and turning them to belief. So maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you need to be like the Father. You see, in this story, we have three individuals or three groups of people that had the opportunity to respond. The scribes, they rejected Jesus. By this point, they were so long gone that anything that had to do with Jesus or his disciples was an automatic fight. They were so turned in their hearts and their spirits against God that it didn't matter. They were out there to destroy. And so they rejected. They had the opportunity to believe. But as God's word says so powerfully in James, that even the demons believe and they shudder. They believe. And there are people in this world, and we definitely don't want to be in this camp as followers of Christ. We we don't want to believe, but then reject when God gives us an opportunity to change our unbelief to belief in our personal lives. Again, we know it to be true in our minds. There are so many Christians who know things to be true, but there are, there are areas where they just simply will not believe for themselves. They will not activate God's promises in their lives. Don't be that person. Spend time and ask God to reveal that and to then respond to that. Activate that unbelief and believe. And then much like the disciples, they had a different kind of unbelief, right? They believed God's truth. They activated God's truths in their lives. Their promises, they activated. But there was some disciplines in their life that God addressed. Jesus addressed them, and they had the opportunity at that moment to say, I need to spend more time preparing myself for what God has called me to. Entering the battle is not something we just jump into. We need to be prepared. 
Now, yes, saying yes to God, just like the Father, sometimes there are those moments where you need to turn that unbelief to belief and say, yes, I'm going to believe by faith and I'm going forward. But then, when you enter into that battle, be prepared. Pray up, read up. You need the armor of God. Surround yourself with people that love you and that are sent. Father, today I pray for those listening, God, that you would work in their life, that they would submit areas in their life, and they would ask you to reveal those areas, God, that need a change. And Father, I pray and I believe, God, that you will speak to them, and I am praying that you'd send your Holy Spirit to empower them, Father, so that they can make those changes necessary, that they would spend that amount of time needed to be prepared as they enter into your army to do your work of reconciling this world back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today, and we'll see you again real soon.